Welcome to Elevate, the podcast where we dissect exceptional achievers who are consistently raising the bar personally and professionally to produce extraordinary results in investment real estate and ultimately in their lives. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I'm also extremely thankful to be sitting here with Andrew Holden. Andrew, how are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you, and I want to welcome Elevate Nation back because our mission is to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. And Andrew's a perfect person for the show because he's really a master with so many years of experience and so much depth of experience. But this show is for leaders and those who are looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through real estate investing and ultimately in their lives. And so um, if you appreciate what we're doing, we would appreciate if you subscribe to the show, if you gave us a rating, a review, it would be very helpful. You know, our goal is to reach millions of people. And the only way to do that is for you to kind of share this. And, you know, if you get value out of our show, you know, certainly engage with, um, with our guests. And certainly, I think today is going to be a phenomenal show for you because we've got Andrew Holden. I want to tell you a little bit about Andrew before we dive in here. Um, to tell you a little bit about Andrew, his, his education background, he's got a BA from Georgetown College, uh, 1997, American Studies major, history, uh, poli-sci, a double minor. He was a, he's a CCIM certified commercial investment member, which is really where our relationship began through that organization and the institute there. Uh, that was in 2010, so it's been almost a decade now uh, as really kind of the best of the best in commercial real estate. And obviously, that was really the culmination of a lot of his learning and he's applied that in so many different ways. Um, he's also an ABA, uh, Stonier, is it Stonier? Stonier. Stonier Graduate School of Banking and Wharton Leadership Certificate in 2016. Uh, in his work experience, he uh, right now is, a, is the, uh, the president, the market president of Park National Bank um, as of March 2018 until today. And you know, we sit here really at the end of 2019, which is mm -hmm. so crazy. I can't believe it's already going to be 2020. Uh, and then prior to that, uh, was involved with Commonwealth Bank and Trust Company uh, from February 2007 until March 2018. Prior to that, uh, like I said, he's got a depth of experience here. Old National Bank uh, from March 2004 until March 2007. Before that, Fifth Third Bank, May 1997 to March 2004. And, and just let me just highlight, I mean, we're talking multiple cycles here. So I think we're going to have a really, really uh, great conversation. And you know, this is a man of many achievements. Uh, in 2017, he was the, the CCIM chapter president for the Kentucky chapter. Uh, 2016, he was the chair of the Kentucky Commercial Real Estate Conference. Uh, he's been recognized as 20 people to know in real estate and business first in 2016. Um, and he's also you know, a professional speaker at times. Uh, Kentucky Commercial Real Estate Conference, uh, he's got experience there. He contributes all over the board when it comes to adding value to other people uh, publicly. And, you know, he's spoken at many, many different events, including American Bankers Association of Commercial Real Estate Lending Conference, uh, in addition to CCIM, of course. But, but Andrew, I mean, we love, we love bios. I know it's like, it's like our world, actually, Katie, my fiance gives me grief because we love our awards and things like that. And she says it's such a thing for commercial real estate. But um, I'm curious to know, man, tell, tell us more about Andrew behind the bio. Yeah, well, you know, it's, I think I'm, I think I am, um, you know, the poster boy from, you know, 
you can you can really accomplish anything you set your mind to. Um, you know, grew up here in Louisville and followed in my parents' footsteps and went to Georgetown College, a small liberal arts school in Central Kentucky. And the plan was to go to law school. And you know, uh, with an American Studies degree and a minor in history and political science, um, you know, that's kind of the path. Or you, you become a professor and got engaged to my uh, college sweetheart my senior year and realized that uh, law school wasn't really uh, a good option at the moment and thought, well, I'll just go back here um, in a couple of years and, uh, you know, just stumbled into banking on, on accident and, uh, you know, the rest is kind of history. But, you know, going into a finance field without a finance background took a, took a pretty steep learning curve. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm thrilled that I've been able to accomplish what I have and very blessed because of it. So w was there a moment in your life where you said, you know, cause obviously to get to where you've been and obviously you're not, I, I would imagine you would say that you're not necessarily at the mountaintop, right? You're going to continue to, to climb and to ascend. Was there a moment uh, or was it a culmination of events that really caused you to, you know, commit and kind of draw a line in the sand and say, look, I'm not going to live this ordinary life. I'm not going to, um, you know, I'm not going to do what the norm, you know, expects me to do. Uh, was there a moment or was that a process for you? Well, I mean, I've always been competitive. Um, I've always, you know, my parents always held me to a pretty high standard and school was very important. Um, and so entering into the, the professional field, it really wasn't uncommon for me to want to try to excel and learn more and do more. Um, and, you know, really if, if you if you bifurcate my career and say, okay, when at what point did I get interested in real estate? You know, I can tell you when it was. I mean, it was back around 2000 uh, when I met uh, a local. He's primarily a single family investor, but does some national speaking now. A guy by the name of Mike Butler uh, met him, and uh, you know, I started just asking him questions, and uh, for some reason, we became friends. And and he would give up his time and would actually drive me around as he went to look at his properties. And so that's really where I started becoming interested in real estate. And really, that's where I spent the I spent the bulk of my career is, is in commercial real estate finance and focused exclusively on it since around really 2001. Um, and so that was the moment that really kind of transitioned me into, okay, what's this real estate thing all about? And, and, and how can, how can I help people achieve their goals? So you saw it as a vehicle for helping others and it became, was it something that was like when Mike was kind of driving you around to different properties, was it a distinction for you that wasn't, that you weren't aware of before? It was. I mean, I, would, I've all, I had always been fascinated by real estate, but really never understood the mechanics behind mm -hmm. it. You know, you know, you make your money when you buy as a concept is something that never really occurred to me. And mm -hmm. to have Mike walk around and show me, you know, whether it be a house or whether it be a fourplex or a you know, small commercial building, you know, here's why I bought it. Here's, here's what I paid. Here's what I had to do. And, and here's the return that I hope to get from it. Um, I really had just never thought about those uh, those types of things. And so that was really a pivotal moment for me as a, as, as a young man, just getting started in, in banking to really understand the drivers, what drives that real estate decision and how to look at it from an investment standpoint. So were you at that point, did, were you aware that real estate was going to allow you to create an uncommon life or was it just more of a, like, you know, this is a different avenue for making a living or was there a different distinction that you became aware of at that point? What, there was actually, you know, not having a finance background uh, in banking, you really, if you're going to go into commercial banking, you really have two paths. One, you're going to be a business banker and make loans to, to, to companies, 
or you're going to go down the commercial real estate side. And, and again, not having a business background, I didn't really understand, okay, how are receivables or how is that piece of equipment going to pay my loan back? You know, mm -hmm. what do I have to do versus I can drive down the street, I can see that building, you know, the market will tell me what it's worth. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we can find out pretty quickly. And so for me, that was just, that was, that made more sense. I mean, I've since learned the other side yeah. uh, of the equation, but at the time, you know, that made more sense to me. And so I basically just kind of jumped in the deep end of the pool. I was very fortunate to have worked with a lot of great teachers and mentors along the way that really, you know, starting with Mike, it really kind of took me down the journey to, to learn a lot. Uh, as part of that, I learned a lot of what not to do, but um, it was, it's certainly a valuable lesson. Well, I definitely want to know more about mentors. We'll, we'll get into that. We'll talk about that, um, you know, later in the show. But, um, you know, it's funny because a lot of what you're talking about, I can relate to so much, you know, when I got into the business, I, I almost, it became like this, this like moment that I like, I looked around and, and said, wow, wait, all these buildings around me are, are valued based on cash flow and, and wait a minute. So you can acquire that and build other systems in your life. And, and then all the different players that were involved and, you know, obviously from a finance perspective, from, you know, from a brokerage perspective, uh, from many different service providers. And so it was just a, it's interesting because, you know, at some point in, you know, your family's trajectory, you know, there's got to be someone who becomes aware of that. And it sounds like you didn't necessarily have that background, you know, whether it was family or even just your own educational background. Um, so it, I just find it so interesting that you were able to, to find that. And it, in your path was through a mentor, through someone who showed you the ropes. And so what a blessing. Sure. Um, so what I'd like to know is, you know, I want to fast forward just a little bit. Um, you know, what Elevate's all about is, is raising the bar and expanding past your limits, where your limits you know, were before, you know, you, you've, you've transcended that. And so what I'd like to know is, you know, fast forwarding to today, obviously as being the market president of Park National Bank, you've got to be continually pushing those limits. So what are you doing to raise the bar currently and elevate your own results? Well, what I've found is the most impactful is really you have to start from a point of gratitude. Mm -hmm. um, we're blessed that we live in the greatest country in the world with um, all the freedoms that we have. And, you know, we really have to not lose sight of that. And, you know, another, another mentor years ago told me, you know, we can't change or we can't impact what happens to us, but we can impact how we respond. Hmm. And so if we start every day from a point of, point of gratitude, thankful for our family, thankful for our work, thankful for our, for our friends, thankful for our colleagues, you know, you really approach, you really approach the day with a glass half full approach with, you know, what are we going to do? So for me, that's the key. That's the number one thing. And then after that, it's, you know, you got to be organized. You got to plan your work and work your plan. Um, and then set detailed goals and, you know, let's take, let's take, you know, commercial real estate transaction as an example, you know, I mean, there's, you know, 30, there could be a hundred steps. Well, let's break it down into what are the tasks and what are the things that I need to do today to move that ball. And, and for me, that keeps me focused on how can today be the most productive as possible. You know, I can get lost in the, in the closing checklist that has 50 items on it, or I can focus on, okay, these three things will move the ball today. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, finally, um, you know, just a lifelong learner. I mean, we, you know, we, we bonded over books and, and things like that. And, and, you know, I'm constantly trying to read and learn um, to get better, um, listen to podcasts and things like that. So for me, I mean, those are kind of the four things that, that I try to focus on. Um, and I think that's, 
a culmination of all those four things have, have, have been a key factor in, yeah. in my success. That's exactly why we have this show is because so many people, you know, we get so hung up into, you know, the nuts and the bolts of how we're going to do our deals or the hundred steps on our closing checklist or our due diligence checklist or whatever. But it, it's about what you're just talking about, about starting with gratitude and coming from that place. Because like one thing, you know, I think you and I love personal development, professional development in that growth. And it's all about, you know, what is your state now? You can't really start in a fearful or worried state when you start with gratitude. And you remember, gosh, we have so many things going for us right now. You know, we're in a we're in an office that's got, you know, air conditioning. We've got electricity. We've got the ability to communicate with thousands of people um, with just sitting here, you know, just you and I. And, um, and also, this, I want to highlight this. You can control how you respond. It's not what happens. It's, it's your own reaction to what happens. And so whether you're leading a team of people, whether you're, you're leading your family, whether you're leading yourself, you know, certain circumstances will occur. It's not, you know, hope is not a strategy. I hear that a lot. It's like, you can't hope that bad things don't happen to you. You expect them and you handle them. And you also, you look at it as, well, you know what, maybe there's something for me to learn. from this. Right. So uh, I love that. And then also never stop learning. I mean, you, you got me there. I mean, you're, 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 you're bringing me into the tractor beam on that one because uh, there's so much to learn and you know, what, what ha nothing is static in life and certainly in business uh, as well. So, so I really appreciate that. Um, with all that, you know, we're, we're talking about what are you doing? What are you raising the bar and how are you expanding your own limits? And I love the four kind of four steps there. What, what are you eliminating? What are you saying no to and how are you getting better at saying no to those things? Well, you know, as, as other, other guests have, have, have mentioned, you know, the book essentialism, I mean, that's, that was a, that was an eye opening um, uh, book. And I can't remember if we read that in our book club or not. I think we did think actually. We did. Yeah. Uh, my team's reading it now, which mm -hmm. is kind of, which is kind of exciting, but you know, for me, that was really an eye opener of, you know, where am I spending my time? Um, how am I valuing my time? And, you know, I would say I'm doing better, but I still have a long way to go. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I get asked to do a lot of different things, as you might imagine. Um, and, you know, you just have to, you just have to pick and choose. And, you know, every day you start with, you know, trying to focus on that. And, um, you know, there has to be real value there for me to, for me to give up my time. I mean, that's the one resource we can't have more of, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think we just have to look at, you know, the opportunity costs. Okay, if we're going to do this, we can't do that. Mm -hmm. um, but what's helped me really is to start from where do I want to spend my time? So another thing that's been helpful for me is prioritizing sleep. Mm. You know, I used to be, you know, one of these guys that, you know, would function on three, four hours of sleep. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I can't do that anymore. So I try to go to bed early, get up early. Um, and so I've made sleep a priority. And then, then you focus on, okay, you know, there's certain amount of time that I want to spend my, with my family. There's certain amount of time that I want to spend my, with my friends or play golf or whatever, whatever, mm -hmm. I, whatever I want to do on my yep. downtime. And then you figure out, okay, I have X left. How can I be impactful? Mm -hmm. You know, um, but I start with sleep, taking care of myself, my family, you know, the downtime to keep me engaged and, and um, you know, willing to run through the wall every day. And then I focus on the work. Um, yep. That's helpful. Yeah, and, and some of the key words that I'm hearing in there is, is prior, priority, prioritizing sleep as an example. Yeah. It's like, what's the most impactful activities that I can do that then, you know, kind of, it's like, uh, I don't know if you've ever read the book, The One Thing by Gary Keller. 
but he talks about, well, what's the one thing that I can do that makes everything else either irrelevant or, you know, unnecessary, uh, or, you know, and it's like, okay, well, if I can optimize my sleep, you know, what does that do for my health? What does my health do for my output of my business, my energy level? And, you know, also if I'm prioritizing my family, you know, we put, we do so much work and we build our portfolios and we build our businesses, you know, for an outcome. And if we lose sight of what our real priorities are, then, you know, it never, it's, it doesn't make it worthwhile. So I think it's a great reminder for us to kind of course correct and say, all right, well, how can we be realistic with how we're spending our time and recalibrate, you know, and, and reprioritize. So I really like that. Um, you are such a habitual guy. I know that. And that's what you and I have really connected on. You know, obviously we mentioned you and I are in a book club uh, and we love reading. Uh, but beyond that, I'd love to know what other habits uh, are you, you know, really kind of cultivating within your own life that have been uh, very important for you? Well, as I mentioned, I mean, I try to go to bed early and mm-hmm. get up early. And, you know, I try to do it, you know, five days a week where I'll get up and walk um, you know, three miles or so and listen to a podcast. Sometimes it's just thinking. Um, but for me, that's a great way to start the day, um, either A, learning or thinking about, you know, what's going on. Um, then I come back to the house and uh, <laughs> take a shower, get cleaned up, and then I'll read the Wall Street Journal go through and really try to get informed about what's going on in, in, in the day because, you know, inevitably I'm going to get asked whether it be by a client or a colleague or, um, or be in a meeting with, Hey, what about this? What about that? And so, you know, I need to stay informed of those types of things. And then, you know, as I drive into the office, I would say about half the time, I don't even turn the radio on. I just mm-hmm. sit there and think about you know, mm-hmm. what, what, what do I need to do today? You know, and I actually started from the wrong position. I should have started from before I leave the office the previous day. So one of the things I do is, um, you know, I still, you know, I still use paper a lot. You know, I'm still, you know, I, I still like to have a piece of paper. There's some gratifying, you know, some, I love the gratifying um, um, step every day of marking something off a list. And I know there's apps that can do it, but to me, it's just not as gratifying as marking off a list. So every day before I leave the office, I print out throughout Outlook tomorrow's calendar. And I sit there and think, okay, what do I need to do to get ready for tomorrow's calendar? And then I prioritize what are the things that have to be done tomorrow. Um, so I don't have to think about it. When I walk in the office, I can hit the ground running. I'm ready to roll. Um, and so then I go home and make sure I go to bed early and get up. And, and normally by the time I'm in the office, you know, I've already had a cup of coffee. I've already been on my walk. I've already kind of thought through what needs to happen. And I can really get in and start being impactful day one. I mean, that's, that's kind of my day in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some days the days end at five and some days the days at the office end at 10. It just depends on, just depend on, depends on what's going on. But I try to do that every day. And when I, you know, I can't say it's a hundred percent. I'd say, I'd say I'm about 95%. You know, some days you don't ever get back to the office sure. when you're out, but I can tell you the days that I start the day and I don't have that piece of paper waiting for me on my desk when I get in, the day just doesn't go as well. Yeah. Because I have to stop, take the time to think about what do I have to do. Yeah. Um, and so that, to me, that's been hugely impactful. And I know a couple of your guests have a similar approach. And, um, you know, for me, that's been a big key. Well, success leaves clues, yeah. you know. So I think a lot of us, you know, have tried things that haven't worked. And when we find things that work, we stick with it. And it's no mistake that many people share a lot of the same habits. Many of the most successful people share a lot of the same habits. And really what you're talking about is preparation. I mean, it's preparation, it's spending some time in thought, you know, because if you're just running things off the seat of your pants, then, you know, it's just, it's not going to work out the way that you had hoped it 
would. And, um, you know, spending time and thought, I, I like the thought of, you know, you're driving the office and it's like, a lot of times it's like, let's just turn the radio off. And what do we need to think about today? You know, um, sometimes I, I don't know about you, but if I have a negotiation coming up or I have a discussion that I need to have, you know, I will walk through perhaps the flow of that conversation. Sure. And I've noticed that when I do that, inevitably it goes a lot better. And because well, you're planning, you're preparing for the worst, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's preparation. So sure. that's a really good one. Um, so tell me about, you know, investments, uh, not necessarily, you know, financial investments or securities or real estate or anything like that. Tell me about an investment that you've made in yourself or in your business uh, in the past six months to a year uh, that has really been impactful, extremely impactful for you. Um, for me, really, you know, we, we've spent a ton of time building, building, building the bank. Um, and so where I've really spent really trying to take my, my skills to the next level have been really just focusing on books. Mm. Um, you know, I can't hit the 52 a year like you do, but, uh. <laughs> um, you know, but, but, you know, really trying to read at least a book a month. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, some months I've done better months, some months, you know, not so much, but for me, that's really where I've spent, um, where I've spent my time. I know, you know, you and, and a couple of your guests have you know, hired coaches and things like that. And, and that's not something that I've done, but part of that's because, you know, I've, I've almost got that built in within the bank. So, you know, my boss is, is a big coach. Our CEO and our president are huge coaches of mine and I've learned a ton from them. So I kind of, I, I've had that built in. Now some of that's investment of my time traveling to, Newark, Ohio, where, where, where our corporate headquarters is. But as far as kind of stroking the check, you know, my wife gets irritated about the Amazon bill um, and, you know, five or six books getting delivered at a time. I'm sure, I'm sure you can relate, but for, that's really where I've, where I've invested currency has been, has mm -hmm. been in books and time has been, you know, really engaged with, you know, many of the leaders around the company who really challenged me and have helped me really grow. Mm -hmm. I think um, I, I see an investment as whether your time or your, your, your currency or, or what have you and spending your time in reading and learning and contemplating is something that allows you to be a better leader, right? So you don't have to be necessarily, sometimes I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll read a book and it's like, it's not necessarily what I learned, but what's maybe what's in between the lines here, you know, what's missing. Is this really appropriate or is this, you know, is this the whole story? And so I think each and every, I don't know about you, but each and every book I read, it's like, okay, the information gap has been filled a little bit, but now I've noticed that there's more of an information gap out there. For sure. And I continued, my curiosity continues to push me. And so I really admire that because if you think about it, you know, most people who are leading other people, it's like, well, how can we, you know, how can we have more meetings or how can we do these things? And I, I'm investing my time in, in that. But what you're doing is like, we're playing chess here. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't necessarily have to be, you know, playing checkers and, 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 and king me, but um, it's a slow, long game and it's sure. a strategy. So um, sure. well, I really like that. One of the things that I think is really interesting, and I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but it happens to me all the time where I'm reading a book and you're, you know, you're really taking the time to really read and, and, and reflect on it and, and, and take notes and underline and highlight mm -hmm. all those types of things. It's interesting as you're thinking about what you're reading or what you just read, how other ideas unrelated to the book really kind of pop in and for yep. me that's that's been hugely impactful you know you think about um you know as you're trying to lead a group of people and that's where i've really spent a significant amount of my time now since since joining park national bank is you know how i keep how can i be the best leader how can i be a servant leader how can i 
set an example. How can how can we elevate, to use your term, the entire team to to achieve greatness? And you know, it's really spending that time, um, you know, in books. And, and I love biographies, and I love to hear how companies are successful. Um, and sometimes it's fun to hear how they aren't, and maybe learn from that too. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's really where I try to spend my time. Um, and, and with every one, you, you, you pick up something. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes you don't even realize it at the time. And then you realize, you know, a month later, gosh, I remember that. Yeah. Well, it is. I I really like biographies too. I've read a few this year that really stuck, stood out to me. And just one in particular, for some reason, it just reminded me of, I read Walt Disney's biography earlier this year. And I'll tell you what, man, half of that book, I was so stressed out because I'm like, Oh my God, is he going to make it? But obviously, you know, everyone in the world knows Walt Disney's name. So obviously he made it and, and his family continues to, you know, to reap the benefits of that. But it's so inspiring to say, you know, no matter what challenges we go through, as long as you just continue to press forward, you know, you can and will, you know, succeed. And, uh, but with that said, I'm curious to know, you know, obviously it hasn't always been home runs every time you've stood up to the plate. Sure. Uh, what type of, um, what type of failures have you experienced? And maybe just one or two examples of something that maybe at the time seemed like, wow, this is putting me out of the game or, you know, whatever. And it maybe has been a seed for uh, for for a later success. Sure. Well, you know, there's there's really you know one specific and then a, and a more general comment. I would say, um, you know, the specific comment is you know, bankers at least pre two thousand seven two thousand eight um, had you know you know a philosophy as you know that, you know there's certain deals that are just no brainers. I mean, you know, how can we get hurt mm-hmm. and you know, we learned through what happened in, in 2007, eight and beyond, um, that that isn't always true. And, and, you know, for me, the, the painful lesson that I had is we got referral from a law firm in town that um, was working with the developer coming into town and they just needed us to do a, a, an, acquis- an acquisition loan on some dirt and they would come and, and refinance it with a construction loan sometime afterwards. I mean, the construction would have, was too big for us to handle, but, but we could certainly handle the acquisition for them. It was a beautiful piece of property, 48 acres, um, and, you know, a little bit out past where the growth was, but to assemble 48 acres, they needed to do it that way and, and to get the cost in. But the most interesting thing about the deal was the equity into the deal was coming from Lehman Brothers. And so, you know, we even called it around the bank, the Lehman deal, you know, when's the Lehman deal closed? Yeah. You know, we were so excited about it. And, wow. you know, so we closed the deal in late 2007 and it was a, it was a continuing care retirement community and the developer opened a uh, sales office and the next day Lehman declared bankruptcy. Oh my God. So here, here's a deal that we thought was a no brainer and um, then it wasn't. I mean, was there a way that you could have identified that, or is that? I mean, that's luck, I mean, bad luck. No, I mean, Lehman Brothers is one of the oldest investment, most profitable right. investment banking firms in the country, in the yeah. world, really. Mm-hmm. And you know, just got caught sideways. I mean, the same right. thing that happened to Bear Stearns a couple of course. A couple of months earlier. Um, and so, you know, there was just a ripple effect, and you know, we did everything we could to try to to try to you know keep keep them engaged in a way for you know to, to stave off the deal, but. At the end of the day, they had to do what was best for them, and what's best for them is give the property back to the bank, and um, you know, ultimately sold it to a client, um, and uh, you know, we built some apartments on there, so that worked out good for him. But that was an important lesson for me of, you know, where if it's too good to be true, hmm. probably is. And for us, we, we kind of approach that, and and a cousin of that really is, you know, if you really think about, you know, 
some some failures is you know the world changed in 2008 mm -hmm. um you know what we thought was true um all of a sudden wasn't true and you know just that process of really trying to identify okay what is the best option for for the bank what's the best option for the client what do we do with this piece of property you know to try to figure out what the thing was worth was like catching a falling knife i mean mm -hmm. you know i mean your the value was i have no idea um and you ask an appraiser and you're just going to get more depressed i mean it just was it just was crazy and so for us you know what i what i did learn through that process is you really just need to look at you know, alternative use strategies. What is, you know, what could we do with that asset? You know, is it land? Is it retail centers and office building? What can we do with that? And then you also have to look at, you know, who's who's the person behind them and, and really having a relationship with that person and really trying to understand that. Is that going to limit all the risk out of the deal? It, absolutely not. But, you know, I learned to focus a lot more on, you know, what what I had as opposed to, you know, another adage that some some bankers, I never use it, but some bankers said if you've got dirt, you won't get hurt. Well, that, that, that message went out the window um, as we were trying to figure out what to do. Um, and, uh, you know, that was a, that was a painful time for, for, for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but one of the things that I tried to do through that process is recognize that my client and I had the same problem. Neither one of us intentionally got us to this spot. Neither one of us was happy about why we were here or how we were here and how can we work together to get out of it. You know, um, you know, we certainly didn't. The bank I was with at the time, we certainly didn't want to um, have to have to take property back. We weren't in the business of, of trying to develop or sell property or own property. Um, so, to the extent we could, we tried to find a way to work through it, and that was a valuable lesson to really, you know, be a problem solver. Um, and it made me a better lender mm -hmm. for sure. So, tell me about because uh, I mean. You know, we're talking a, a decade ago, a decade plus a year, and most real estate cycles, you know, most people would say, you know, just keep it simple. Every 10 years, you've got a cycle, right? And neither of us claim to be an economist by any right. means, but how do you, obviously, we're not talking about the same, it's never going to be the same situation in a very complex global financial system. But, uh, you know, how do you apply that sort of learning towards what happened then? as well as what's potentially happening now. I mean, some people say, you know what, it's always cyclical, so what goes up must come down in whatever ways, and perhaps it's, you know, whatever may happen. Uh, it could be bad, could be, you know, flat line, could continue to grow, right? But, um, you know, what's your, what's your learning from that? How are you applying that experience into today's environment? Sure, so what, what, what going through that process taught me was, Cash is king, number one, because you know a lot of people were able to pick up assets at, at, at a very attractive price. Number two is really look at, don't get lulled to sleep um, by a loan to value. Really evaluate, um, you know what, you know what the appropriate debt level is for that piece of property. Um, you know because you know for for a while, and you and I've talked about this a bunch. I mean, we've got we've had you know historically low cap rates for the last several years, and you know, an 80% loan to value um, at, a, at a bargain basement cap rate for some, both on both sides of the equation, whether you're a borrower or a lender, you know, they th think they're fine. Well, you know, cap rates don't have to move a whole lot before most of the equity evaporates. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, that's one of the things that it taught me was really to take a more practical look at, okay, you know, buying real estate 
is a business decision. Financing real estate is a business decision. Where do those two lines cross? Where does it make sense to mitigate the risk for everybody? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, that, that the folks that, are, that, that you know, over levering it, in my opinion, are bad or, or making a bad decision. It's just, you know, I look at it from a different perspective. I look at it from, you know, at what point does it make sense? At what point is there less risk in there for all parties? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, to me, that was one of the biggest things that, that I learned then that I'm applying now. And, you know, we're, we're, certainly, we're certainly experiencing a very frothy market today with uh, credit readily available. Um, kind of reminds me of 2006, heading into early 2007 to some extent. Um, you know, I think where we're sitting today, I don't think real estate's going to tip us into recession like we saw um, in 2007, 2008. But, you know, we're a much more global economy today. Um, you know, we've got trade war. We've got um, unrest in the Middle East. Um, we're starting to see manufacturing data that suggests that maybe that segment is slowing down a little bit. So, you know, we don't have a crystal ball here, but, you know, I would guess that within the next 18 to 24 months, we're going to see a headwind. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's going to be an impact from that. You know, the other thing I wonder is, you know, at least what I'm reading, and you have to tell me if you're seeing something different, but at least what I'm reading, foreign investment in real estate is trailing off a little bit. And that's what's been keeping cap rates low. Yeah. And if that dries up, you know, we'll start seeing some things. We'll start seeing some other things kind of kind of run up a little bit. Um, you know, another thing that, that, I, that I learned, and this kind of started as it came out of the recession, was that a tax, a tax strategy should not drive a real estate decision. Um, yep. And, you know, just, be, you know, I mean, you know, 1031s have been hot, but, you know, I've seen so many clients buy something that did not, was not core to their portfolio, was outside of what their skill set or area of expertise. And I'm not talking about buying a triple net, you know, where yep. it's just clipping a coupon, but something completely outside of their scope just to avoid paying tax and, and at a cap rate that may or may not have made sense. I mean, so that's the other thing I learned out of that is that, you know, that, that a tax strategy shouldn't drive a business decision. The business decision should drive the purchase. And if there's a tax benefit because of it, then that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, that was another thing that I learned. Well, there's a lot there. Um, you know, one thing I, I read the, uh, the 21 lessons for the 21st century by Yuval Noah Harari. He's one of my favorite authors. Um, but one of the things that I, what became aware of, it's like you sit and you think, you know, when you read, you know, certain things. And what he's talking about is the current, you know, global, you know, economy. And we've never been, as, as you said, we've never been in this sort of environment before. And it's much more complex than any one government, any one person, entity, you know, corporation can grasp. I mean, it's, there's so many different things happening. So I guess the big takeaway, at least in my opinion, is just be aware and be ready to pivot, be ready to, you know, adapt and, and really, um, you know, what you said earlier, is like, I think it's so important for us to develop ourselves, our teams, our, you know, the people surrounding us, because it's not what happens to you, it's how you respond, right? It's like sure. we said earlier. And so, um, so, you know, I guess, what's, what's one suggestion that you would have for, uh, for people in this current environment to ensure that they're succeeding, you know, over the next, call it 10, you know, the next decade, the next cycle? I would say, you know, in my opinion, when you, when, you, when you look at a real estate investment, you need to have your exit strategy in mind first, mm-hmm. you know, um, because that drives, in my opinion, that drives A, the price that you can pay, B, how you should finance it, et cetera. And I think, I think some folks have lost sight of that being an important part of it. So 
I think, I think that would be the one thing that I would say, if you find a piece of property you like that fits within your investment strategy, think about, okay, what's the hold period? And, 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 and factor that into, okay, how, you know, how are we going to structure that? deal? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think right now that really isn't contemplated. Um, and, and then you, and then you throw off, you know, the potential change in cap rates. Um, interest rates have been at a historical low level for, you know, well, let's be honest for some people, as long as they've been in the business, mm-hmm. the rates have been this low. I mean, when I got into commercial real estate, you know, an eight or 9% rate was the, what the best borrowers got. Um, and there's a lot of deals. You probably see them too. There's a lot of deals that don't work if the rate has a five in front of it. Yeah. And, you know, we have this, I have those conversations with people that call me all the time and yeah, it works great on today's rates, but what happens if you can't renew the loan? What happens if, okay, you want to sell it in 10 years. What if you can't, what if you need to mm-hmm. refinance mm-hmm. and the rate's 6%, you can't bank unintended on rent appreciation. I mean, it might be there. It yeah, might not. Right. So let's let's think about you know how to how to best structure this deal um, and move forward. Um, you know, the other one of the other favorite things that I have is is you know you know certain asset classes where they don't uh, factor in uh, capex, where they don't factor in. Hey, we might need to spend money to maintain the value of this building, whether yeah. it's you know putting new windows in or new carpet or. You know, we might need to put new HVAC units, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are real expenses that have to be done. Um, and I know there's tax strategies around all that stuff. But you still have to have the cash to do it. Right. And a lot of people never think about that in their, in, in, in their uh, investment recap as they, as they make a decision. So mm-hmm. that's another thing I would, I would suggest. Well, it's being conservative and expecting the unexpected. It's expecting the worst, having a strategy, being ready to pivot no matter what. So, um, no, that's really good. I want to transition, you know, just slightly. Um, who are your role models? I mean, who do you model? I, I mean, I'm looking at your desk here. We've got a few different books, yeah. one of which I want to talk to you after our okay. show here. Uh, but, but, um, I'm just curious because you obviously you're, you're continuously learning, but who do you emulate or who, who would you like to emulate? Well, you know, I would say I'll, I'll bifurcate it again. You know, I mean, I've had, I've been blessed to have several great role models throughout my career, from you know, starting with Mike Butler to you know, people I've worked with at each of the banks that I've, that I've been along to, you know, even directors at, 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 at my prior employer, you know, being there, I had, I had the blessing of really sitting down and getting to know them. Um, you know, our current CEO, Park National Bank, David Troutman, is just, you know, I, I, he has so many qualities that I just admire so much. And, and if I can just get 10% of what he has, that'll be great. Um, you know, he has this uncanny ability to make someone feel like they're the most important person to him at that very moment. And that's something I'm working on, but, mm-hmm. but he's just got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's really, really cool. Um, you know, that's on the professional side. On the personal side, um, you know, got to start with my parents. I mean, they set great examples for me. They encouraged me. They supported me. Anything I wanted to do, I could do it. Um, and that was fantastic. Also, uh, my, my maternal grandfather, um, I still stand by this. He's one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life and just has a high school education, but he knew how to fix anything. And I've just got great fond memories of, you know, fixing the car with him and he worked at NCR fixing cash registers and things like that. So we just knew how to mechanically fix things and, and was into computers. I mean, back when, you know, computers were, were, were going back cassette tapes and programs and things like that. And just one of the most brilliant people I've, I've ever come across in my life. And, and he really set the, the example for me of if you're going to do something, you might as well do the best you can. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. You know, don't even try if you're not going to give it your all. Um, and, and I thought that was really great because we see so many people that just kind of, you know, dip their toe in and, and instead of jumping in the pool. And so, you know, I certainly did that. Um, you know, and then, and then, you know, throughout my adult life, I would say it's my wife. I mean, she, she's the most loving, caring person I have ever come across in my life. And I would not be what I am today or who I am today without her love and support. And, you know, I try to be the best husband I can every day and, um, you know, fall short frequently, but uh, just, just try to commit it to, you know, just to do better every day. Well, it's a great reminder that we can't do this alone, yeah. you know, not only from a personal standpoint, whether it's your spouse, your family, or just having that, you know, perspective of your parents. I love the thought of if you're going to do something, you, you do it the best you can, you know, give it, give it your all. And, and that's what Elevate is all about. It's, it's give it everything you have, leave nothing, you know, leave nothing uh, spare and leave it all out on the field, so to speak. Yep. Um, so I want to I want to transition again uh, to to goals and we're going to talk about goals. I mean, because you know, obviously, to to do what you've done in your life and you continue to do, you've had to be intentional, right? So tell me about um, a goal that you've been proud of accomplishing, whether it's large or small, within the past twelve months or so. Well, that's easy. Uh, we're sitting in it. So March of two thousand eighteen, I joined Park National Bank. Um, it was me, my cell phone and my laptop which i appreciated the call i remember getting a call from this very prestigious man that was that was excellent it was it was a lot of people were shocked that i yeah. did that move yeah and but for me it was a great opportunity and a great challenge and, and it's been fantastic and you know starting with you know building the team there's nine of us now to finding a location i mean i actually got i was on the other side of a real estate deal for a while and, mm -hmm. and trying to decide okay what's the What's the right place to be? Uh, how much space do I need? Um, you know, negotiating a lease, all the stuff you do every day. You know, I had to live with for for for, for six months or so, and, and and it certainly changed perspective on a lot of things. And uh, and and you guys that, that spend your time slugging it out as brokers, uh, I have a whole new respect. Uh, my wife's a broker on the residential side, and and I thought that was rough, but but but. The, the, the things that you all have to contemplate and think about and advise on. I mean, it's real money. And, mm -hmm. um, I've got tremendous respect for you. So, I mean, to be, to go from March of 2008 with it, just me and looking around in my office at home going, okay, what do I do now to being in 5,500 square feet of a beautiful office it's gorgeous. Um, and be profitable um, to be growing the team um, you know, to me is, is, you know, the highlight of my career at this point. And, awesome. you know, we, we only have, we only have one way to go from here and we've got a great team and, you know, we're excited that we're, we're excited where we are at 19 and just really happy, um, with performance and can't wait to, to finish the year and, and, and go on and, and achieve great things next year. This is a distinction because for me, it's like, you know, you had a great thing going already. Yeah. I mean, you had already accomplished so much success. People thought you, I was crazy. You had an opportunity <laughs> to kind of jump off a ledge yep. and say, well, you know what? I'm going to go through the unknown here. Yep. And obviously it was probably a very uncomfortable process in many ways. But then now I, that was an awesome statement. You said like, it's, it's one of the most proud things you've had. It's maybe the defining moment of your career thus far. And I know you'll continue to raise the bar beyond that. Um, but it's a reminder for everyone, you know, because there's something that, you know, you're a little bit fearful fearful of you know maybe it's a big move like what 
what Andrew's done, or, or it could be something small and, and, and insignificant, but it's about moving beyond that fear and having courage and, you know, taking that leap of faith and letting the momentum carry you through because, you know, it's so satisfying when you get to the other side of that. And, you know, you continue to do that. You just become something that you never knew you could become before. And that's what Elevate's all about. So as you continue to, you know, you know, press your limits, uh, you know, what are you uncomfortably working towards now? Um, how are you raising that bar now? Well, one of the things that I think is, you know, the most critical component of the secret sauce that we have, right, is, is our culture. And if, if we have the right culture, we can attract and retain the right talent. If we can attract and retain the right talent, then, then what can stop us? And so, you know, we're big protectors of our culture. And that's something that, that's something that you have to work at each and every, each and every day. And, and as a team, we talk about it all the time. Um, and we boil it down to a few things that's on the bottom of every agenda when we get together. Um, it's posted throughout the office. So we really understand who we are, what we're doing, and why we're doing it. Um, and so, you know, I, it, it's, it's not a struggle per se, but it's something we're uber focused on. It's something that we really take very, very seriously. And I believe that is the key ingredient of the secret sauce. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, we've got, we've got great products, we've got great people, um, but all that coming together and that collaborative team environment and that culture that makes people want to come to work every day, in my opinion, is, is where I'm spending the bulk of my time um, and my management team with me has spent the bulk of our time trying to, to protect, nurture, and grow that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, 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 I'd say that's the, that's the challenge right now is to yeah. make sure that we maintain that and, and, and that we course correct as necessary. I mean, we, we, we ask ourselves quarterly, is this who we still are? Is this who we still want to be? Mm -hmm. We haven't made too many changes yet because we took the time on the front end to think about it, but we want to continue to do that and we'll, we'll evolve and it'll be interesting to see, you know, five years from now, what's important to us then. Mm -hmm. So it's, the process has been kind of, uh, laying out the vision of you know who we are really from the core and who do we want to be correct why do we want to be that correct. and continuing to question that i love that um you know because the other thing too is like you see this so much where you know a company lays out the vision and it's like guys we talked about that 20 years ago that's not who we are anymore that the environment has changed completely you know we've got to have a different outcome so that's that's i think a big distinction is course correct and continue to ask that question question conventional wisdom uh, whether it's your own conventional sure. wisdom or others. So that's, that's really, really important. What's the driving force behind what you do, Andrew? Wow. Um, well, as I mentioned, I mean, I've always kind of been driven to, to, to do well, you know, and it, I've just kind of built upon that, um, you know, providing for my family um, as a leader now running, running the market for the bank. You know, I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of families depending upon me to make good, the right decisions and smart decisions, whether it's, you know, what types of loans we want to do, the people we want to hire, how we want to manage um, our expenses. Um, and so I think about that a lot. And, you know, I'm probably more worried about letting them down than I am letting myself down, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's really what keeps me engaged and keeps me focused on how do we continue to grow. And then it's not getting complacent. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm a big believer of celebrating success. Matter of fact, we, we have uh, one of my one of my colleagues. We we named the CFO, the Chief Fun Officer, and her job is 
on top of other things, but her, her part-time job, so to speak, is to make sure we celebrate our success. So we talk about what we've accomplished on a weekly basis, and her job is to say, all right, time for a party. Mm-hmm. And it might be meeting for drinks, it might be bringing lunch in, you know, we're talking about going to race go-karts, which I think will be so much fun, but, but to celebrate that success and, and, and grow from that and get energized from that and keep moving down the field. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, I think that's really what's motivate me and motivates me is to, is to, you know, not let them down and continue to grow. And it's just a good reminder to, you know, it's not just about making money. You know, obviously we all want to build wealth. We want to provide for our families. But it's also about contributing to others, you know, creating that environment where you have a culture that people can enjoy what they do. They can also provide to their families and they can also enjoy those moments of success. You know, that's one of the things that I've got to remind myself on a frequent basis, like slow down and just pat yourself on the back for a second, you know. And I know that most A players are in that boat, too. So I think it's a really good reminder. Um from that. So thanks for doing that. Um, so what I want to do now is I want to transition into our rapid fire section. We call it the rare air questionnaire. And the reason why we do that is because what we're talking about, it kind of gets you to that, to that elevated point where, you know what, most people gave up, most people gave up, you know, a couple hours ago when it really wasn't even that hard, but their mind told them it was, and we pushed past that limit. So, um, we've talked a lot about books. Um, we love books. That's how you and I really got to begin our relationship, which is, such a beautiful uh, memory for me. Uh, so I'd like to know what's the most impactful book you've ever read and why? Well, as many of your other guests, I'm going to completely ignore the one book and give you and give you a couple that have at least in the last couple of years have been very, very impactful. So I hope you'll provide me that latitude. Um, you know, one of them we even read together, um, and, and, and these are pairs, really extreme ownership and dichotomy of leadership. And, and, and those re- really reinforced for me um, what was really important. And, and I really enjoyed um, the extreme ownership side of the leader needs to take responsibility and, and set the tone. But then the second book, Dichotomy of Leadership, you, know, you have to let your people have enough room to, to operate. And, and that's something that really rang true to me and that's something that I've really kind of changed my management style around to be clear about what we want to accomplish and then get out of their way. Um, and so for me as a, as a, um, as, as a leader growing <clears throat> and building a team from scratch, I mean, those two books were very, very instrumental. And we, we probably went to Cosme of Leadership last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that was huge. Um, another book that really kind of keeps me focused on, you know, running the business is a book called Memo- Memos from the Chairman by East Greenberg. He's the former chairman of Bear Stearns. And if you forget what actually happened to Bear Stearns um, after, after he no longer was running it, um, it's really just a, a collection of memos where he reminds his team about, you know, you know there's, there, there's simple things that create success. Hmm. One is focusing on going after the right clients, mm-hmm. watching your expenses and doing the right thing. And hmm. it's, it's a, just an interesting read to think back, you know, he's talking about, you know, you know, buying a fax machine and, you know, things like that. But, but it's just a good thing to kind of remind you of, you know, focus on the things that are really measurable um, and, and spend your time there as and, and ignore the rest of it. So that was really good. And then a book or two books really that um, uh, were introduced to me when I came, when, when I joined the bank and, and actually during the recruiting process, they told me about them. They're both by the Arbiter Institute. One is Outward Mindset. The other one is Leadership and Self-Deception 
and, and those have been true, two really impactful books for me over the last year. Um, and I'll start with leadership and self-deception first. It really is about, we can deceive ourselves and ignore the facts around us. So we really kind of have to step out and really look beyond ourselves and really see what's going on rather than, oh, it's fine, it's fine. No, that, it may not be. Um, and then with the outward mindset, it really changed the perspective. So what the outward mindset teaches you is, you know, human nature is to be selfish, to only think about ourselves. Well, the outward mindset says, well, you should really be focused on what the other person um, is concerned about. And I've been able to use that as I've worked with clients. So, you know, client comes and says, hey, we want to have, you know, we want to borrow money to do X. And, okay, well, what are you really trying to accomplish? What's most important to you? Rather than going back and forth and negotiating a term sheet five times, let's start with what's really important and really focus on them. And the really cool thing is, not only are those skills applicable in business, they're also applicable in our personal life. So, you know, when my wife asks me to do something, it's really, okay, well, what's really going on? You know, mm -hmm. let's, you know, let's, let's focus on, you know, what really is, is, is she, is she asking me to do what really is driving that and what focused on, what can I do to help her? What can I do to help my client? Mm -hmm. And that is truly impactful. And, and I encourage you and, and, and everyone listening to read it. I mean, I, I would I would say most of you will be convicted at some point throughout the point. That's me. I've done that. Mm -hmm. um, just focus on ourselves. And so, you know, if, if you read the book, it talks about being in the box and you don't want to be in the box. And we have a little joke around here of, you know, are you in the box? Um, and that's just a great way to um, kind of uh, move on what might be a little tense discussion. You know, are you in the yeah. box? Um, and so those are, those are the books, at least in the last two years that, have been really, really impactful. If you think about broader, I mean, you know, the Bible has so many great lessons in there. And, you know, I, I would probably say that's the most impactful book, but um, in recent path, you know, those are, those are ones that, that have been huge. Well, I think there's such a humility that comes along with, with reading these type of books and allowing them to really impact you yeah. as much as they have. I mean, you talk about, well, am I in the box? It's like, well, first of all, you got to admit if you're in the box, right? right? If you right. do that, then, okay, well, what steps do I need to take to get out of the box? Right. And um, there's a lot there. We'll, we'll, we'll put links in the show notes uh, to all these different books and, and I'll be definitely checking them out. Uh, I've only read a couple of these, so I'm starting to get like, man, I, I, got, some, I got some deficiencies here. Um, but I, I really like also the, I wanted to make just a couple of, of notes here on this. Um, you know, you're talking about memos from a chairman, the simple steps, uh, you know, to success. I mean, right. So many people are always like, what's the secret? You know, what's the secret? And really it's just simple. It's consistency. It's right. doing the right thing. It's, right. you know, having persistence and, you know, educating yourself, applying that education. Uh, and really it's not, it's not this crazy you know, formula that most people look and say, well, wow, if only I could just, you know, buy the formula and, and, and have that, then everything would make sense. But it's simple. You know, is it easy? No, but it's simple. So I just wanted to make that note. For sure. What's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? Um, I mean, I think, I think it's, it's that perspective of, of gratitude. Um, you know, I, I, I am so blessed and I've been able to accomplish so much. Um, that if I start every day from that perspective, we're going to have a great day. And the days that I come home and my wife says, how was your day? And I say, oh my gosh, it was awful. <laughs> I mean, 1% of the time because of that. Right. I mean, you know, stuff happens. Life happens, right? Um, 
And, but you know, 99% of the time when you start the day with, it's going to be a great day. I'm so thankful that I have my family. I'm so thankful I get to do what I love. You know, it takes, it takes an awful lot to move you off that if you start from that perspective. And so I would say that's the, that's the one thing that really has taken it to a whole new level. And I actually learned that from a client during the recession, to be honest. So I picked up the phone and called him and he was a builder developer. And I said, how, you know, how's it going? He said, fantastic. And I was like, excuse me, <laughs> you know, I mean, darkest day, no, storm clouds. Yeah. You know, and he said, he's, he said, fantastic. And I said, well, I'm just surprised that you you'd say fantastic. And he's like, well, if, 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 if I, if I tell you it's awful, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills tomorrow. Then that's reality. Mm -hmm. If I say I'm fantastic, things are great. I've got these opportunities. I'm trying to figure out how to do this and that. The outcome was more likely to happen. And so yep. I kind of took that and, and summed it up to gratitude of, you know, let's approach life with, with we're blessed, but let's build upon that and let's come at it from that point of view. That is really good. Uh, because, you know, one of the things that like really stuck with me is like Tony Robbins talks about, you know, your state, your story, your strategy, you know, your state, how you feel physically then sometimes becomes your story. So if you can hack this system, to where your state is is a state of gratitude. You're thankful for the good things, and obviously we all have challenges in our life and our business. And then your story becomes, wow, you know, these things are going great. You know, it's fantastic, even though the sky is falling to everyone else. Um, then your strategy becomes, well, I'm a problem solver. I'm not dwelling on the challenges. I'm dwelling on the great things, and where focus goes, energy flows. Right. So, you know, great things are happening. So you know, more great things happen from that. So it's a, it's a slippery slope in either direction. I, I think I want to go in the right direction. Sure. So sure. that's really good. Sure. Uh, how do you, what's the best way or the number one way that you elevate others around you? You know, I, you have to lead by example. Um, you can't ask people to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. Um, and so, you know, for me, whether it's, you know, the book club they're do, we're doing here, you know, I always have the book read first. I always have, uh, notes in there, you know, I make it pretty well known that, you know, this is a big deal and it's something that we should do together as a team and talk about. Um, and, you know, so leading by example is a, is a, is a big deal. Um, the other thing is, listen, um, you know, I had, I had my management team in, in, in this very room earlier today um, just to bounce ideas off of them. And, you know, some of them were, you know, you know, tell me what I can do better. And, and I was serious. I mean, you know, let's, let's talk through, let's talk through where we are and, and, you know, you really need to listen, you know, I mean, to be heard, you know, if you just hear the noise, that's one thing, but to actually listen to the words and, and not speak, just sit there and listen. And, and, you know, a little trick that I learned is, you know, as you're going through that and you're really taking a hard look at what's, what's going on is, okay, what I think I heard you say is X mm -hmm. and, and repeat it back just to make sure that context, everything's covered. Um, and that goes a long way. So that's, that's what I try to do, you know, with my team here is, is lead by example and listen to them. Um, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, it's like being married. I can aspire to be the best and, and, and I don't know that I'll ever hit that summit, but if every day I try to, to hit toward that goal, um, you know, that's, that's the objective. I love it. And there's, there's more to listening than just hearing the words, right? Yep. It's seeking to understand it's clarifying. Right. And, uh, you know, that can be applied in so many different ways, uh, you know, within ourselves and with our own relationships. But, but Andrew, uh, this has been absolutely outstanding. And I really appreciate you taking the time 
to be with us today, and I know Elevate Nation is better off for that. Um, so if Elevate Nation wanted to stay uh, connected with you and learn more about you and your business, uh, how can they do that? Best way would be email, and email address is aholden, H-O-L-D-E-N, at parknationalbank.com. Outstanding. And then also, obviously, visit them, parknationalbank.com. Uh, like Andrew said, they have a, a lot of great services, a lot of great products that they do offer uh, for real estate investors as well as commercial real estate occupants. Uh, so definitely visit them there. But also beyond that, I mean, they're a partner. They're a partner in your business. You know, they can help advise you to make appropriate decisions. And that, you know, is sort of a rare thing in today's, uh, today's marketplace. So I definitely want to take Andrew up on that. But, but what I want to remind Elevate Nation to do is to, you know, to take, you know, you know, implement uh, repetition into, uh, into what you're doing. You know, you've got to listen to this episode again. You've got to take notes because, I mean, I, I, tried, I did my best here and took as much notes as I could. And, and I know that I've got to listen to it again myself because there's a lot of nuggets of wisdom. There's a lot of things to implement. There's a lot of things to take action on. And, uh, you know, if you can start from that place of gratitude, uh, you know, be grateful for the, the opportunity to listen to what Andrew's talking about here today. You know, that's going to put you in a position to, to really take action on it. But, but also the biggest thing here, and, and I just mentioned a few times, it's take massive action. You know, what you've heard today, don't just consume it. You know, make it, make it a part of your world. Make it a part of your reality. And until next time, uh, I want to thank you guys for being here. Thank everybody for, for listening. Share this with a friend and allow them to take massive action and elevate their own results. And Andrew, thanks again, my friend. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit tylerchesser.com.